This is FoxCast OT, a podcast for clinicians made by clinicians. It's brought to you by Fox Rehabilitation. Find out more at foxrehab.org. Welcome back to FoxCast. Dr. Will Dieter, physical therapist here at Fox Rehabilitation. Will, welcome back to the show, man. Hey, Jamie. It's uh, good to be back. You know, wish the circumstances were a little different. Happy to be here. Yeah, usually we get to record in person, but now we're practicing so safe social distancing and we're recording, uh, you know, over the phone about something that you recently put some time and effort into thinking about doing some research and sharing some good information, which is what we do at our website, foxrehab.org under fresh Fox content, always coming out with some blog articles that cover some pain points for people in and around the world of geriatric, physical, occupational and speech therapy. And the title of the article that was just released is what you need to know to provide telehealth. That's what we're talking about. Really, the telehealth regulations around therapy. This topic has come to the forefront in the last couple of months in a big way. Yeah, I mean, when it, obviously telehealth came about because of the COVID-19 pandemic, but it's something we've been talking about as a profession for a really long time. It is an opportunity that we now have for Medicare, as well as a lot of commercial insurances, you know, we're going to focus on some of the, the bigger ones here at our practice, like United Healthcare and Aetna. It's become something that everyone realizes we need to have to give access to people. But it's also, it's a little bit, um, it's something where we have to dip our toe in a little bit slowly because it really hasn't been done, especially in the population of people we treat too often. This article was specifically about just pieces of information that you need to know regulatory wise. And then we have another article that we'll talk about another time that kind of gets more to the clinical pieces of how to think about uh, the appropriateness of telehealth. So let's get into what you need to know. You mentioned dipping your toe in. You don't want to run into something blindly, something like clinical care. You want to make sure you're doing the right thing by your patient. You want to make sure you're doing the right thing by your own license. And you want to make sure you're doing the right thing by the practice you work for. So let's go through this carefully as you did in your article. What do you need to know to provide telehealth? First off, nobody knows how long it's going to last for us to be able to do this. Right now is really in response to the pandemic. Let's just talk about Medicare because it's the biggest one. I mean, basically, they've said they'll do this until the of the public health emergency, which nobody at this point really has any idea when that is. Most other insurances have said the same thing. You know, some commercials have actually come up with different dates. No one's quite sure if those dates are going to move to. I mean, everybody seems to think they probably will, but no one's really quite sure. So the first thing you have to really be aware of is how long is this going to be available. It's not indefinite. Kind of have to balance expediency of getting this going and getting people on it because we need to do it with also obviously doing it too quickly where we miss the mark or also maybe hanging on too long. Where we're not even allowed to do it anymore. We have to know when, when we have to cut it off too. Great things to consider and pay attention to as you start to utilize telehealth in your clinic practice. Where should people start their thought process? The first thing is always that um, this information is basically as of a certain point of time that we've heard um, that we're aware of. It doesn't mean that it hasn't changed. This is a very rapidly evolving environment. But what I will say is you always want to go back to your state practice act because really this is all governed at the state level, whether you're actually even able to do telehealth or not, um, kind of regardless of if Medicare is going to pay for it or not or other, any other insurance. The first question is, am I even allowed to do it in your state practice act? So you always have to start there. Let's just assume the answer to that is yes. The first thing is Medicare has relaxed some of the HIPAA regulations around PHI in an effort to try to get people access. So if you don't have a full-blown, you know, perfectly HIPAA compliant audiovisual telehealth platform, you know, you can start to do telehealth in the short term with things like, you know, Apple FaceTime, Google Duo, 
nothing public facing, you know, we're not doing this on like Twitch or, um, any other social media thing that I pretend to know about, but don't really fully understand. <laughs> um, but basically if anybody can get into it, I mean, obviously you can't use it if it's a safe, secure, this is a two way conversation that Jimmy couldn't just drop in on if he felt like it for the most part, that's okay. So that obviously makes things a little bit easier. But then along with that, obviously, you know, you have to have policies and procedures that, that address telehealth, that address, you know, um, information safety, that address patient identification, making sure you're actually working with the right person. So there's a lot of sort of ins and outs there. And there's a lot of resources. But APTA, FSBPT, some of those places have been really good in kind of helping out with some of that information. Basically, no different than any other modifier. You would be using a 95 modifier on almost all of these claims, which basically just indicates it's a telehealth visit. So that's a fairly simple one. You're just popping the 95 onto any billing. And then place of service starts to get a little um, interesting depending on what insurance company you're talking about. But Medicare has basically said the place of service should be whatever it would have been if you provided the care the way you normally would. So for us, you know, we provide care in maybe somebody's home for us, it would be place of service 12 because that's what it would have been. If they were in a senior living community, you know, it would be 13. If you're in an office, it would be 11. Whereas e-visits, which is sort of the thing that came out that's not quite telehealth, but is these sort of consultation visits, they're actually based off of where the physical provider is, not where the care would have taken place. So that's just one example of it getting a little bit confusing. So you have to kind of dive into place of service is another big one. So th they're really the, the biggest things you have to be aware of to just have the nuts and bolts of being able to even do this in a way that's appropriate and you know approved. And we uh, dive in a little more on your article about e-visits and the differences between those and true tele-rehabilitation, along with some additional links about e-visits for Medicare beneficiaries. That, again, is in Will's article at foxrehab.org under Fresh Fox Content. Also, I thought was very, very helpful, very, very clear, was the decision tree that you helped to create for physical, occupational, and speech therapy telehealth flowchart, essentially walking people through this step-by-step. -step. It didn't allow people, this, this decision tree that we put up, it doesn't allow anybody to rush through the steps. It literally makes you ask a yes or no question. And when that answer is no, the answer is do not perform telehealth visits. Yeah, Jimmy, it was. Um, it, it looks so simple to make it was, took so much legwork and was so complicated. And I think to your point is to be able to make it and make it that simple, you have to really understand it well. And I, and I think we did a really good job of, of at least asking every question you have to ask. You know, we can't give you the answer, but we can certainly walk you through the things you have to address. And, and I think they're all in there. And again, this is available at foxrehab.org under fresh Fox content. As things progress, what's your view of the future of telerehabilitation and geriatric practice? How do you think these things will advance? I think there's absolutely a role for for telehealth and, and other innovative delivery models. You know, the, the days of of everybody going to a clinic or even our you know way that we treat, which is going to people's homes, even doing that for every visit for every patient. It's not this population health model. Right. And we have to be able to triage people and sort of put them into buckets of, you know, this person probably needs some in person. Um, and maybe more telehealth versus someone else, you know, probably needs some in person and maybe less telehealth. But the reality is right now, if you look at the evidence, you know, most of the work in telehealth has been done in post-surgical joints, cardiac rehab, uh, post-stroke. And it's almost all what you would call a hybrid model. So there's a combination of telehealth and, and um, 
in-person visits. And I think, you know, we sit in a very unique spot with an 82-year-old population that's got a lot of comorbidities and we're going to start to do telehealth. We're going to start to do it very slowly and, and very responsibly. But I think we're going to learn a lot and hopefully us and the profession is going to really start to understand how to use these responsibly in populations that aren't just those that have already been used with uh, and be able to augment and make our care even more valuable and sort of titrated and sort of a little bit more wellness-based to be able to drive at that value outside of just those skilled in-person visits. Very detailed, very well organized, and very well researched. We wanted to make sure we gave you the best information that we had at the time of publish, available for you at foxrehab.org, as well as that flowchart, your decision tree, about providing physical occupational and speech therapy via telehealth during COVID-19. Dr. Walt Dieter, appreciate you stopping by to talk about your recent article. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to FoxCast OT, a clinically excellent podcast. It's brought to you by Fox Rehabilitation. Fox clinicians work hard, love their work, and get the respect they deserve. Sound good? Then you'll love the autonomy to work in your own style and the support you get to achieve excellence. Plus, freedom and flexibility to have a personal life. Whether it's your first day or you've been around for a while, your contribution is acknowledged and rewarded. That's what makes Fox a success. Happy, well-trained clinicians make great healthcare. Are you a fit for Fox? Find out now at foxrehab.org.